0: Surely the most uh, astonishing statement in all of human history uh, is when the angel uh, said to the women who came to the tomb of Jesus, uh, I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here for he is risen. It's an amazing statement, astonishing statement. I mean, people, people don't live again after a Roman crucifixion. People don't live again after being in the grave. But Jesus did, and that has profound implications for us. Before the resurrection to mean anything to us, we must be assured that the resurrection of Christ actually happened. And this is the reason that Paul testified in the book of Corinthians that 500 people saw the resurrected Jesus at one time. And he added that many of those same people are still alive today as I write this letter. In other words, he was saying, 500 people saw him, they're still alive. If you don't believe me, you can go ask them. They saw Jesus. The Bishop of London, uh, Thomas Sherlock, once pointed out, uh, determining whether or not Jesus rose from the dead is not a difficult thing to do it requires no greater ability than to distinguish between a dead man and a living man, something the disciples were clearly able to do. Uh, Every living person, he said, even skeptics believe that they are able to tell if someone is alive. 500 people who all say they saw Jesus alive is powerful evidence for his resurrection. And then down through history, Uh, Some notable and famous legal scholars have applied the most rigid rules of the law to the evidence uh, for the resurrection of Christ and shown that the resurrection of Jesus Christ would be accepted as factual in a court of law. Uh, Simon Greenleaf was a Harvard Harvard Law professor and and an agnostic who believed the resurrection of Christ was a myth or a hoax. He decided to put the resurrection of Christ on trial by applying legal rules of evidence in hopes of disproving it. And yet he himself became convinced by the evidence for the resurrection and converted to Christianity. The twelve disciples, all except John, went to cruel deaths proclaiming to the very end of their lives that Jesus was raised from the dead. Men die for a lot of things, but they do not die for what they know to be a lie. Dr. John Weldon wrote, Had there been any possibility of snuffing out the Christian movement, it would have been achieved immediately. Powerful motivations and easy opportunities guaranteed it. For example just produce the body and the christian religion never begins and if you stop and think about it i mean you think about all the political animosity there is today in in our own culture i mean there there is probably tenfold that animosity toward uh in that culture toward jesus and toward his claim of being resurrected i mean and there there would have been powerful motivations as This Dr. John Weldon wrote, powerful motivations to just produce the body of Jesus, and that would have killed Christianity right in the womb. Or if the disciples actually stole the body, just crack one of the disciples. This would have been easy because people... Don't undergo extreme pain or torture. For example, 40 lashes multiple times for what they know is a lie. And then consider the incredible change in the disciples. Following the crucifixion of Christ, these same 12 men locked themselves or barricaded themselves in a room, terrified that those who had crucified Jesus would come after them and crucify them. They were demoralized, they were disheartened, defeated, and depressed. And something changed them into fearless messengers of a resurrected Jesus. They saw him, they talked with him, they ate with him in his resurrected body, and and that changed everything. These men who had shown so much fear and even cowardice at the time of the crucifixion, they went through the entire known world with the message that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and that forgiveness of sins and new life was available to all who believed. And the resurrection of Christ is the only credible explanation for this change, this infusion of confidence into the disciples. It really does matter that Christ came out of the grave. It really does. This can't remain just a a religious story. It really does matter that you believe that he actually came out of the grave that morning in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Paul said, if Christ is not raised, then we are still in our sins and our faith is absolutely worthless. And on top of that, he said, we're all a bunch of fools if Christ is not raised. But then he goes on to say, but Christ has been raised. And to the testimony of those 500 who had seen him, Paul added his own testimony. He said, he even appeared to me, certainly in a different way at a different time, but this this resurrected living Jesus even appeared to me. But... To leave the resurrection as only an historical fact is to miss out on the most important thing about the resurrection. Most historical facts, and I like history. I'm one of those rare people that like historical facts. But most historical facts, such as uh, the the victory of the Union troops at Gettysburg uh, or the fact that it rained a couple of weeks ago, those kind of facts remain somewhat detached from us. They're detached from our personal lives and certainly from our souls. But the resurrection of Jesus has a continuous, present power to touch and transform our lives in a very direct sort of way. The very power that reversed death in Jesus' body and infused resurrection life into his body is the power and energy available presently to us to live a whole new quality of life here and now? And this is incredibly profound. I mean, it, it's one of those things that when you, when you see it, when you really believe it, it changes everything. Romans 8 says, If you belong to Christ... The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and gives life to you. This is a life that is beyond natural life. It is a a life that is above and beyond what we might call biological life. If you don't know Christ and this life and this power working in you in this way, you can come to Him today for it. Paul said, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Like Paul, you you personally can know the risen Christ and can experience the very same power that raised Jesus up out of the grave. This power is is the very power and energy of God. It's the very power and energy of God himself at work in you and paul said i want that i want that i want to know that i want to know this power that's that's beyond just what is natural in this life i want to know this power that comes from above this power from outside of myself i need that i want that i want to know the power of his resurrection and you can say i want that too And Paul prayed that we would know the immeasurable greatness of that power at work within us. He not only wanted that for himself, he wanted it for us too. He said, I pray that you would know the immeasurable greatness of that power at work within you. Which he said was the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And he wrote that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so we who believe have been raised up in a new Supernatural life, a life infused with God's very own power and life. And that's the promise of the resurrection, that, that your life, you yourself, can be infused. Your very own body, your very own spirit and soul and heart and mind can be infused with the very life of God himself with the very Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. This power is so real that even our bodies will be resurrected. The Scriptures promise that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so we who, too who believe in Him or who united with Him will be raised too. We will become eternal, immortal beings with indestructible lives who will never die. And... This is the message of the good news that was proclaimed in the first century. This is the message that, that the apostles preached. This is the good news that spread like wildfire throughout the whole world in the first century. I'm going to share a quote with you. I wrote it down some time ago. I don't know the source of it. If one of you said it, let me know. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's, really good. it's really good. It's worth listening to. If, if we believe in his resurrection, it has the power to pull us up out of our own spiritual deadness and darkness and depravity and to enable us to live a whole new kind of life. It has the power to pull our soul up out of the pit of moral darkness and the misery of our own sin. It has the power to pull us out of the misery of our own sin-damaged lives. And it has the power to pull our own bodies up out of the grave. Pretty amazing. There's no greater force there's no greater force in the world than the power of God. There's no greater force for, for human change. There's no greater force for transformation in your heart, in your life, in your soul. There's no greater healer of our sin sick souls than the power of the resurrection of Christ. It alone Has the power to make you a new person. It alone has the power to birth life in you. And no wonder, when we understand more of this, no wonder Paul said, I want that. That's what I'm going after. Oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. It's the very power that you need today, it's the very power that you need for your life. And for your soul and for your heart, it's the very power that you need for your struggles and for your battles today. Many years after the death of Jesus, he appeared to the Apostle John on the island of Patmos toward, toward the very end of John's life. And what, what was the thing that Jesus said to him? How did he introduce himself? I... Am the living one. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. I am the living one. The title that Jesus gave to Himself is the living one. You know, we talk, we say, you know, we, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. It's 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 a living, risen Savior that we that we talk about. He is the living one. We have, we have his words in the Gospels. Uh, we have a record of his works and miracles. Uh, we have the historical facts of his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection. But he did not only leave us with teaching or words or a story about his life as important as those are. We also have the real Jesus himself, the living one. He has power today. He has personality and mind and heart today. He is someone you come to know here and now. He's someone that you come to know today. He calls you to himself today. You respond by going directly to him. Jesus said, come to me. You respond to him by just going right to him, right to him to talk to him. I am convinced that the happiest people in the world, I'm convinced that those who thrive in the Christian life are simply those who learn to live life with the risen, living Jesus. They are the ones who learn to live life with the living one. It is never just them in the room or in the car or at the sink or in the office. It is them and the living one. It is them and the living Jesus. It is never these people that I'm talking about who are the most happy, who thrive in the Christian life. It is never just them and their problem. It is never just them and their pain. Jesus is there always the living one. Whether it is a problem with the car or the computer or with a child or a company or your own emotions, Jesus is there. And these people believe that and they place confidence in him right there. And they, say th- they see things happen that they know are not from themselves but are from the living one. And life becomes all about living with Jesus, the living one. Life becomes trusting Jesus, expressing Jesus, rejoicing in him, and knowing him, and, and loving him. That's why Paul said, for me to live is Christ. He said, I, you know, it's, I can explain my life real easy. <laughs> hey, for me to live is Christ. It's living with the living Jesus. And that kind of living is available to you. It's available to every single one of you. Young or old, no matter what your age, no matter what your situation, no matter what your struggles, no matter what your past is like, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what's going on in your life, this kind of living is available to you right now all the time. When the risen Jesus Christ gave his messages to the churches again years later in the book of Revelation, he said, I come to you. I come to to the church, I come to the churches, I come to believers. He said, I come to you as a living person, knocking at your door. I come knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and will dine with him and he with me. Very straightforwardly, Jesus said, when you open the door to me, he said, I I will come in. He di- he didn't say he didn't say I will bring you a religious system or a ritual or some system of rules old or new. He said you open the door and you get me. He is a savior that you can know. He still lives. Didn't he was it wasn't just living when he approached the churches in revelation. He wasn't just the living one when he came and spoke to the apostle John. He still lives. He still knocks. He still offers to come in. He still offers that he himself, the real living Jesus will come in and will dine with you or will interact with you, will live with you. And if we could if we could only see this and believe it and comprehend it, This offer is priceless beyond description. To live life with the risen Jesus is the sweetest thing in life. It's the sweetest thing about life. It's the one thing that makes life worth living. Meeting and knowing Jesus in this kind of real interaction and communion where our hearts are wide open to him and he's coming in and interacting and And as it were, eating a meal with us and talking with us and we eating with him and talking with him, that kind of living, real interaction is the one thing that makes life worth worth living and it is the one thing that solves life. Most importantly, I mean, he solves a lot of things, but most importantly, he solves our problem of real guilt before a righteous God. We actually do have a sin problem that needs to be taken care of and washed away. And that, that was dealt with at the cross of Christ and validated by the resurrection. So he takes care of our, of our real problem with real guilt before a righteous God. He removes the barrier of our, of our own sin in which we are described as, as being dead. That's the opposite of being alive, dead to God and separated from him without him in the world. He also solves life's greatest enemy, the problem of dying and death. But he also solves your life today. He He is your Savior here and now. He is your Savior today. He's not only your Savior when you come to die. He is that, but he is not only your Savior when you come to die. But right here and now, Jesus solves your life. And I don't even need to say what the problems are, because he solves them. He solves them all. Jesus solves our loneliness. He solves our sense of, of isolation. He solves our sense of, of of despair. He solves our bondage to sin and and to ourselves. He's, he solves our problem of the problem of meaninglessness. The problem of emptiness. He solves the problem of the monotony of life simply lived on a natural plane. Jesus himself said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. To know God, to know God the Father, and to know Jesus Christ, Jesus said, that is eternal life. Eternal life is a is a different quality of life it's it's a quality of life that is is not not native to the human being it's it's a life that comes to us from God eternal life is the supernatural abundant unending life that consists primarily of communion with Jesus Christ and it begins right now it is a life that we are are dead to without Jesus Christ. It's a life that, we, that, we, that is not experienced. It is a life that we are dead to until we know Jesus in a real living way. And even Christians only enjoy it and experience it as we practice living in communion with Jesus. This is, this is eternal life, Jesus said, to know the Father and to know me to know and commune with Jesus Christ. In every way, in every sense, the resurrection of Jesus Christ puts before us the offer of a better life, a greater life, an abundant life. Aldous Huxley said, most men and women lead lives Let me start that over. Most men and women lead lives at the worst so painful and at the best so monotonous, poor, and limited that the urge to escape, the longing to transcend themselves if only for a few moments is and always has been one of the principal appetites of the soul. Henry David Thoreau famously wrote The Mass of men." live lives of quiet desperation. I don't think that, that everybody that should feel that emptiness is always fully aware of it. Uh, people find ways to medicate their, dis, their despair and the emptiness of life. Uh, people are, are always doing things to try to block out that sense of isolation and loneliness and meaninglessness, the despair of life, the absurdity of life. People find ways to take vacations from the real feelings and predicaments of life. But ultimately, the futility, and and I would say the absurdity or meaninglessness of life without God, usually presses in upon even those who seek to ignore it at some point in life. But Jesus, Jesus calls us up out of that, out of that darkness, out of that dis- despair, out of the meaninglessness and the misery and the darkness and the sin of a life lived separate from God. He is the answer to all the needs and the, and the questions of life. It's true for every person. But what I find most needless and sad is it is for those who name the name of Christ as Savior to go looking elsewhere for meaning, happiness, and solutions to life. Because it's all there. It's all there in the living, risen Jesus. And through confidence in Him and communion with Him. Now, the Bible teaches that For those who place their confidence in Jesus, both his crucifixion and his resurrection have an ongoing power that changes us in the most dramatic way possible. And I want to talk just a little bit about this this morning because I I think it is so important in how we experience the full effects of Jesus's life in us. In other words, I'm talking about. It's really important that we understand at least someone. And we're focusing on the resurrection this morning, but it's so important that we understand that, in some measure, the the power of his crucifixion, the effects present day that has on us, as well as the present day effects of the resurrection on us. There's a lot of stuff in our lives. That not only needs forgiveness, but that need to be crucified. There's a lot of stuff in our lives that needs needs to go right to the grave, and that's why the gospels talk about or the epistles that Paul Paul particularly wrote. We've been crucified with Christ, and it has it has a way of of separating us from from the power and domination of sin in our lives we have we have attitudes we have desires we have responses to other people we have responses to life and that are sinful and damaging and offensive to god and to others and they need to go to the grave they need to be severed cut off or put off from us you know a week ago on on tuesday i had a plan for the morning i mean I always have a plan for the day. In fact, uh, I think I told Lonnie one time at her men's meeting. I said, you know what really, what really makes me get up and go is that I've, got, I've always got things I want to do every day and just getting those things done and checking them off. Man, that I thrive on that. Well, I had a plan uh, for the morning this Tuesday. I was looking forward to it. And I thought I understood Cindy's plan for the morning, but I didn't. <laughs> and as I was discovering Cindy's plan for the morning... I saw that my plan was not going to happen, uh, at, at least at least in the way that I thought. And uh, as pastor, elder, spiritual man that I am, uh, my reaction was to feel frustrated, and I felt some anxiety because there was stuff that I felt pressure to do that I wasn't going to be able to do. I, I I felt some anger. I could even feel my body just you know tensing up in re- reaction. Um, but, but I knew that those thoughts and reactions needed to go to the grave. I, need, I knew that those needed to be put to death. So I, I did. I'm not saying I always do this, but I, I did actively that morning count my life crucified with Christ. But to die to self. To, to, to let, to let the, the crucifixion of Jesus have a present moment, present day effect on me. And... Uh, you know, as a result, you know, I was, I was set free from those attitudes, and I, I went on to have a great morning uh, working within the new schedule, within the new circumstances. So when we when we place our faith in Jesus, the power of his crucifixion goes to work in our life. It just does, and it, it, it begins to, to go to work. I'm not saying it's a, a one-time, just it's all done process, but it goes to work in our lives, and and, and we count ourselves, as Paul said, crucified with Christ. And we, we willingly, uh, accept that place of, of death to sin and all the garbage that wants to come out of our life in response to people and others and situation. And it's, it's, it's a real freeing thing to know that we're crucified with Christ and that we, we don't, we don't have to, uh, respond as our natural person wants to. So his crucifixion goes to work in our life, creating a real freedom from our addiction uh, to sin and from our active participation in daily sin. Romans 6, 6 and 7 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For the one who has died is set free from sin. So this crucifixion thing, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like bad beautiful news. Cruc- crucified we die, but yet we're free. He who died is freed from sin. Dead people don't sin, Paul said. And Paul goes on to say we're to consider ourselves dead as far as sin goes. That's that's the outlook we're to take. And it's the way that we think about ourselves. That's that's our that's our, our new identity. Crucified dead no longer responding to sin. And, and that, that opens the door for the resurrection power of Jesus to have a present effect in us too. There, there are qualities and strengths that, that we desperately need to have raised up within us, like love and joy and peace and a whole lot of other things. And the resurrection of Jesus has the present power to raise us up in newness of life and make us new people infused with qualities of love and forgiveness and patience and joy and peace and, and so much more. And there, there is no part of your life, there's no part of your emotions, there's no part of your living, there's no part of the way that you respond to life that is off limits to the penetrating and transforming power of of the life of Jesus. There's no sin, no addiction, no anger, no darkness, no desperation that he cannot heal through the, his resurrection life. He is a real living savior, savior who brings the real help you need. And so as, as you keep this, this reality that Christ was crucified and raised and that as the gospel teaches, the Bible teaches, Paul taught specifically that that, that that we are to see ourselves, consider ourselves, count ourselves, that, that we also were crucified with him and, not, and then we're raised up with him too in newness of life. So keep these realities before you and you will increasingly experience the life of Jesus, the abundant life of Jesus in your own soul. I want to I want to end this morning, not that I'm quite at the end here, but I, I, w- I want to end by going over just kind of a step-by-step uh, list, I guess. I kind of don't like that because you can't live the Christian life by a list, but kind of a few things I think are important to how do we know Jesus? How do you, if you're here this morning, and you say, okay, my life could be better. It could be lived on a higher plane. How do we enter into that? You know, maybe you don't care about that. I pray that you do, but... So I want to consider, how do we know Jesus and the power of his resurrection? Number one, first, it starts by believing that God really did raise Jesus from the dead. Romans ten nine says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he, he's alive, he's living Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you're you're here this morning and somehow you've been confused about how to get saved, how to enter into a relationship with Jesus, how to initiate this whole living, real connection with Jesus, there it is right there. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from, from the dead, you will be saved. This is not just a mental thing like saying, okay, I think Jesus was resurrected. What's for lunch? It's, it's not just kind of a mental thing. And it is more than just a private belief. But you trust in what God did to the point that you're willing to say to others. You're willing to let other people know. You know what? I've come to the place where I believe that Jesus is alive. That he is Lord. That God did raise him from the dead. And I put my confidence in him. Second. We experience knowing Jesus and the power of resurrection by practicing living with him at your side or with you. He he comes to live with you and in you through the Holy Spirit. And you begin a life of fellowship with him. Everything you do, you do it for him and with him in mind you do it in fellowship with him you do it with his strength you do it considering him that he is really there with you and in you everything that happens to you you talk over with him and you trust him to give you wisdom and direction in every conversation that you consider that he's with you and you depend on him for the attitudes and responses that would please him you seek to value and love other people like him. You seek to lay down your life for others like him. In, in every way, you seek to share every moment of life with him. And you, you, just, you just begin to practice living with Jesus. Paul or a, a John called it I th- abiding in Christ. I'm not talking about anything a whole lot different than that. <laughs> it's just living your life. With Jesus. Number three. You consciously make knowing Christ and his power. The one thing. The one thing you want more than anything else in life. We read earlier how Paul wanted to know the risen Jesus. And the power that that raised him from the dead. And Paul was saying. That's what I want. I, I want to know him. And I want to know that power. That's, that's my aim. That's my goal in life. That's my passion to know Jesus and the power of His resurrection. That's more important than making money, more important than your educational pursuits or your success at work. It's more important than being accepted or popular with friends. It's more important than being beautiful. It's more important than being comfortable. more important than any other relationship in your life and it becomes the one the one thing that's true about you. I mean, there's, you have a lot of other interests and you do things and you have a job, you have family, but if there's one thing that you're known for, it's that you want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection in your life. And you know what? Where where your mind goes, your life will follow. Or what you set your heart on is is what your life will become. I mean, if, you, if, if, you, if you set your purpose, your aim, like Paul, if, if you set your mind and your heart to know him and to know the power of his resurrection, you will, your life will follow in that direction. Um, I mean, if, if you just look at whatever your life is today, it's because you've set your mind and heart on certain things and the outcome is, is really what's going on in your life today. And if you want to know him and the power of his resurrection, you set your mind and your heart on that just like just like Paul did. If you actively seek to know Christ, you will know him. If you actively seek to know his resurrection power in your life, you will ex- know and experience that power. And Paul said I, you know, I haven't attained to it fully. I you know, I don't understand. I haven't grasp it all but I'm on my way I am experiencing it and that's that's you will too and in an increasing increasing way you'll know that otherworldly power from above working in your life expressing it through you and it's it's the best way in the world to live life number four you embrace personal suffering for Christ's sake for the greater treasure of knowing him and his resurrection power and you know it's interesting that paul said oh that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings you know there's different kinds of sufferings that we that we experience as believers uh, there's there's kind of the every every day variety of trials and troubles in life uh, there's there's a the suffering of our own weaknesses and 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 brokenness and some of the, just the pains that we've experienced in our perhaps past or life or families. In some cases, there's persecution. But the other kind of suffering that we must voluntarily take on if we, were to, if we were to know the power of the resurrection, this goes back to what I talked about a little bit earlier. The other kind of suffering that we must voluntarily take on if we were to know the power of the resurrection is the suffering of denying ourselves or choosing, choosing to die. The suffering of saying no to the flesh and the impulses of sin and sinful responses and attitudes. And believe me, that is real suffering. I mean, what, that little story that I told you about my reactions to Cindy's uh, innocently changing my plans, uh, I mean, that's real suffering. I mean, it's, it's really hard when you've got something that you think, man, and it's really hard to say no to that and to let... Like to 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 deny yourself so that the life of Jesus can be manifested in your body, and it's absolutely necessary to knowing Christ and the life that He brings. Fifth and last, you 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 consciously you actively place your confidence in the power of the risen Christ to enable you to live the new life. You 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 consciously trust Him or place your confidence in Him to to enable you to love others with his love, to serve others in humility, to show compassion to others with his very own heart of compassion and mercy. You trust him to to rise up within you with the the sense of mercy that you need and the forgiveness that you need for others, uh, to bring healing and wholeness to others in his name as Jesus enables you. And as we sometimes say... um, We place confidence in him so that we might become uh, Jesus' hands and feet and lips, so to speak, to display his heart wherever we go and whoever we're with. And you place your confidence in him, in his resurrection power, not in yourself. You you don't get discouraged over the lack that you feel in your own soul to do these things. I mean, Jesus already promised that apart from him, you can do nothing. So, so when, you, when you feel that you can do nothing, you just agree with that and say, okay, Jesus, you already told me that. But he also said that through him, we can do all things. Uh, you consciously and continuously draw from the power of his life, his resurrection life within within you. And you abide in him, stay in communion with him. You ask him for the words and the thoughts and the grace and the love and the mercy that you need. And because, because He is risen, and because He is presently with you, He will generate within you the fruit of His own life. And even if you're down and feel extremely low, extremely weak, you just simply trust Him to raise you up. Because that resurrection power is there. When you And you trust in it and place your confidence in that. Well, as good as it is to take a Sunday, a certain Sunday, and focus on Christ's resurrection, the The, the entire message of the, the New Testament is that his resurrection is to be something that we live in daily. And this morning is basically an inv- invitation to share in the life and the power of the risen Savior today and every day. It is there for you. It is available to you. It really is. It really is available to you. Yes, even you, to that person that thinks it's not, it's not for them. It really is available to you. And as Jesus himself said, if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you. Let's pray.